Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. The text for today is coming from 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. We'll start from verse 8 and we'll read all the way through verse 16. So hopefully you can turn to that passage. And just as we're starting off, uh, last Sunday we started this whole new series called Forward. And the reason why, if you remember the purpose behind the series, is because we've been covering in the last several months about just God's character, about His sovereignty, about His providence, about the goodness of God. And as we're talking about different aspects of His character, the question now becomes, what are we going to do about it? If we know this to be true about God, what do we do? How do we respond as Christ's followers? And so as we studied the book of 1 Peter, we studied the book of Ruth, and as we covered some of these themes about who God is, now we want to be able to say, God, this is who you are, and this is how we want to respond in light of that. And that's why I think the only appropriate response to knowing God and His character is to be able to respond to Him in faith and with action. Uh, We have too many people who are good at talking, but not good enough in terms of the action, the living out the faith that we have. And so last week we talked about part one and about moving forward in obedience. We looked into the life of Abraham as he received the call from God. And in faith and in obedience to God, he stepped out and God blessed him in that way. Today we want to talk about moving forward in investment as we look into the story of Elijah. I want to start off with uh, two questions this morning. It's just something for us to kind of think about. And the questions are simply this. Has God ever asked you to do something that seemed impossible? So that's the first question. I want you to think about that for a moment. Has God ever asked you to do something that seemed impossible? The second question I want you to think about is this. Have you ever asked God to do something that seems impossible? So it's a different perspective on this. Have you ever asked God to do something that seemed impossible? If you think about these two questions, you will notice that both require faith. And it requires some response in light of that faith. So if you've ever asked God for something that seemed completely impossible, you're not even sure if if it could be done. It requires faith as you pray for that and believing that God will, in His timing and His perfect will, will answer that. In the same way, if God ever called you to do something and it seemed literally impossible for that to become a reality, As you know, it takes faith to trust Him and believe that He's leading you and He's guiding you. And I'm wondering if any of us have these kinds of testimonies of actually stepping out in faith, trusting in God, and that God is answering some of these seemingly impossible things, or as He's asking us to do things that seem almost impossible, but as we trust in Him, we're able to see God doing some phenomenal things. I think that's why for us, it's important that we don't just talk about these kind of testimonies, but we can actually see it with our own eyes. And I'm praying that in our church, that we will hear more of these and we will see more of these kinds of testimonies because we are praying some big prayers 
that we are actually listening to God and obeying him, especially when he calls us to step out in faith. I wanted to show you this quick video by Dr. Tony Evans, who has a ministry called Urban Alternative. And he shares about how God provided for him and his wife when he was going through seminary. And uh, I could totally relate when I think about the times when we were just starting off, uh, my wife and I, and thinking about all the different needs that we had and we're just barely making it and just really trusting, even in the early stages of our church back in Michigan, to really believe that God is going to answer not only our prayers, but he's doing some incredible things for us to then respond in obedience and step out in faith. So as we watch this video, it's, I just want you to uh, listen to his testimony and one part that he shares. I think it's very important for us. So let's watch it together. Just a powerful reminder for us. I'm just wondering, when was the last time you actually prayed these types of prayers and God answered it in a miraculous way? I'm just wondering, do we have these kind of testimonies, not only in your life, but also in our life group and even in our church, and where people actually took steps of faith, where actually people heard the voice of God, and with against all odds, believing that God is always true to his word, and then we trust in him, and he then follows through. Uh, Paul Little, in his book, Affirming the Will of God, writes this, The God who loved us enough to die for us when we cared nothing for him is not about to shortchange us in life. What a great reminder. What he's simply saying is this, if God, who in his mercy and his grace, he reached out to us, even when we were not seeking for him or even looking for him, and he saved us and he gave us the greatest gift, God gave us his son, his one and only son, then how much more would he be able to work in our lives, especially with some of the needs that we might have? And that's why I want to encourage us as we look into this passage and as we continue in our forward series, we want to talk about moving forward in investment, how important it is to make these investments as we trust in God. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing for today is simply this. When we believe that God is the source, we will see God provide the resource. So when we believe that God is the source, we will see God provide the resource. So with that in mind, I wanted to, us to kind of break up into smaller groups. And I'm, I'm sure those of you who are in Zoom, you can kind of go into some breakout rooms there. And also for some of us who are just kind of by ourselves, it'll be great just to pray and think about some of these questions. And if you want to join a group, you can quickly uh, contact some of those people in your life group and then go ahead and join one. So the questions, the two questions I want you to think about is simply this. What do you see as the reason or reasons why a person would not want to pray for miracles? And why is it so hard to believe that God can do the impossible? So I want to give you about uh, six to seven minutes so uh, we don't have much time. So quickly jump into it and talk about these two questions and we'll bring you back. Amen. Welcome back. Uh, I hope you will see God being the supplier in your life as he sends you to different places in Hong Kong and around the world. One of the things I want us to remember once again is that if God truly is the source He's the source of all blessings. He's the source of provisions. He's the source of peace, whatever it may be that we need in our lives. If he's the source, 
then we're going to have to believe that he will provide whatever resource that we need in order for us to not only receive it, but to believe it and to then respond uh, as we trust in him. So I want to talk about the second point as we first talked about how we must go in faith. The second point is simply this, that we must give with faith, that we must give with faith. Let's go ahead and read verse 13 through 14 as we continue in the story. And it says this in verse 13, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first take, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty, until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Now here's Elijah who reassures her and encourages her to not fear. He simply says, do not fear. So you have to understand why there is fear. Because what he's simply saying is this, will you get me some water and also give me a little bit of the bread? In her mind, what she's thinking is, I only have this little, and if I give it to you, then we're not going to have enough for our family. That's what she's thinking right now. And I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of situation where you're completely at your end of the rope and you're thinking to yourself, if I give this or if I do this, then I don't know what's going to happen to me. It, it is a human reaction where we want to preserve ourselves. We want to protect ourselves. We want to, in many ways, just survive. And that's why she had anxiety and probably a lot of fear thinking, if I give it to this person, what's going to happen to us? So as you're thinking about this, you realize that she's probably thinking, this is going to be a big risk. If I give this flour and this oil and make bread and give it to him, we're not going to have enough for our family. I think the crazy request of feeding Elijah first and then her and her son, they could eat after it did not make sense at all. I think this is why in verse 14 we see that Elijah gives this widow a promise from the Lord. He says the jar of flour that you have, it's not going to be spent. In fact, what he's saying is that it's going to seem as if it never went down. And he says the jug of oil that you have, he's going to say it's not going to be wasted at all. It's not going to be empty until the rain comes upon the earth, until the famine and the drought is finished. What Elijah was saying is that by honoring God and making him a priority, blessings will come down to this widow's life and her son. I think this is a very important principle that is taught all throughout the Bible, especially when we think about generosity, when we think about giving, when we think about God providing for our needs. If you remember, God told Moses to remind the people that as they were entering into the promised land, that they were to remember God and that everything that they have is from God and God alone. That's why the whole first fruit was instituted. That's why all these different contributions or giving to the Lord was established because it is to remind everyone that God is the source of all these material things. God is the source of all these blessings. So when we give what is already God's, then what happens is it's a reminder for us that this is not mine. I'm just a steward, and I'm supposed to give it 
to God and give it to the cause and the needs around me. So listen to Numbers chapter 15, verse 17 through 21 in the ESV. Go ahead and read the yellow highlighted section with me out loud. This is what the Word of God says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land to which I bring you, and when you eat of the bread of the land, you shall present a contribution to the Lord. Of the first of your dough, you shall present a loaf as a contribution. Like a contribution from the threshing floor, so shall you present it. Some of the first of your dough, you shall give to the Lord as a contribution throughout your generation. What a great reminder that before you enter in and you're going to be enjoying blessings, he says to remember to give in a contribution of the dough, of the bread to God. And this is why when you look back into the story of Elijah, when Elijah says, feed me first and God will take care of you and your son. This is the same concept. That when you prioritize God and when you put Him and honor Him in everything that you do, you obey Him, then the blessings will come. And those of us who know this is that it's not just an Old Testament thing. But if you remember even in the Sermon of the Mount, when Jesus taught the Beatitudes, one of the greatest sermons that He gave as He talked about this new kingdom value, this kingdom mindset, a new culture. What, what, it, what does he say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? Many of you know this, but this is what it says. It says, and read the yellow highlighted with me. It says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Let me read it in a couple other translations, and you can read the yellow highlighted with me. It says this, but first and most importantly, seek or aim at or strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. In the message translation, it says this, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. What a great reminder for us that what he says is that when you seek God and his kingdom, pretty much honoring him, making him a priority, all these things will be added unto you. The, all the concerns that you have, God knows them. And he will take care of you. Because if he is the source, then you will see him provide with the resource. And when we live and give with faith, with God's promises held deeply into our hearts, then we can experience great things. I've been really encouraged just recently, as some of you know, uh, in our church, we have a good handful of people who just graduated. Uh, there are some who have been laid off. So we've actually been praying that God will provide a job. And in some ways, we're like, oh, okay, fine, just pray for me. But, you know, it's kind of like embarrassing, like I still don't have a job. And so, you know, a lot of these people are kind of like, okay, can you just kind of pray for me? But it's kind of like under the table, right? Can you pray for me? But I'm just like, why don't you just tell people, like, I don't have a job. I want you to pray for me. And if I don't get a job, maybe you're not praying for me. I'm just kidding. But just to be able to say, I need prayer. If God is the source, let's pray to God and believe that he's going to provide 
the resource that I need. And it's been encouraging because, as you know, on some of the Sundays, we've actually been praying for some of our members. And then I hear testimonies that week on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. They go, like, I finally got a job or I got that interview and it went well and they offered me a job. And I'm like, praise God. And it's, it's, it's not because you were so talented because, yeah, some of the, the, us, our testimonies like, I don't know why they hired me. I don't know why I got this job offer. Yeah, we don't know, but you should know because we prayed. We asked God to provide. And then there are those who still don't have a job, and they're like, well, you prayed for me last week. I didn't get a job. And, and it's so easy to kind of look and say, why don't I have a job? And I want to just challenge us as we think about the situation even with the job to be able to continue to hold on in faith and to pray and believe that in his timing and the lessons that he needs to teach us, that he will keep on teaching us. And that when he does provide a job for us, we're not going to forget about him, but we're going to remember that it's God who will provide it. I've also been very encouraged just talking with some people, uh, hearing some testimonies that there have been some of you in our church, I don't know who you are, who anonymously decided to give to those people who don't have jobs. Amazing, phenomenal. Like when I hear these kind of testimonies, I get really excited. Because it's really funny to watch their faces, those people who are receiving anonymously this money. Because they're like, who, who gave it to you? Who, who is it? And that person who became the courier does not tell them who it is. They're like, it's from God. Uh, here it is. And it's been really, like I said, very encouraging because what God is doing is he's stirring the hearts of people. As they see the need around, and here's a person who doesn't have a job and they're barely surviving and they don't even know if they could pay the rent. Uh, they're eating ramen noodles every single day, which is bad for you. Uh, some of them have discovered that there's a special McDonald's discount, which is also not good for you if you keep on eating all of that. But there are people who God moves in their hearts. And it's not about them. It's not that they have to be recognized because... They want to somehow get on the good side of this person, but just God moved their hearts to say, you know what, God, I'm hearing you and you're telling me to give to this person, to pay for this, or just anonymously give them this amount. And God's been using that in such a way that those people who are receiving it, what else can they say but to give praise to God because it's God who's providing these things for them. And that's what I think this really comes down to about giving with faith. Is that when you have resources and you're able to take some of that and to give it to someone who's in need or to the cause of Christ, like God actually uses you to be a blessing or an answer prayer to somebody else. Do you see what I'm saying where some of us, where we're so inward focused and we're so self-centered and even selfish, that we miss these kind of opportunities to be an answered prayer to somebody who's desperately crying out to God. We miss these opportunities to experience the joy of seeing their face. And what's even better is sometimes when they share it with you and they don't even know it's you. And you're like, this is awesome. But they have no idea it was you. Like that is one of the best feelings that you can ever experience. Knowing that they don't know, but you know and God knows and God knows you, and God knows them, but they don't know it's you. It's like this weird connection, and you're like, only God. 
what would happen if we experience more of that? Which means that we have to give with faith. Trusting and believing in His Word. Another thing I want you to think about is this. There will come a time when some of you who right now, you might not have necessarily a need, but you might have a need in the future. And I've experienced that many times. Our family, we have experienced that. Where there are times when we're in plenty and we're so blessed. God has blessed us. And then there's other seasons because different things come up that we're in need. And as we're praying and trusting in God, and then God somehow miraculously provides, those are the moments when I realize that it's, it's not me, it's not my wife, it's not our family, it's, it's, it's God working. And as we trust in Him, that He's using other people and other situations to be a blessing in our lives. It builds our trust. It helps us to love God more. It helps us to believe. Even just being reminded of His faithfulness over the years that He has always provided for us, that we don't have to fret, we don't have to be anxious. That's what happens when we give with faith. Let's finish off the story in verse 15 through 16. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. How awesome is that? Is that we see the widow's obedient response. And she's a non-Jew. So she must have at least heard or seen something that she took the word of the prophet, which was the word of the Lord, and she obeyed. And then we see that as she had faith in God's promise, the word that was given to her, and look what happened. As she honored God by her faith, we see that God fulfilled his promise by a miracle. Not only did she and her son eat for many days, but if you look at verse 16 again, we see that the jar of flour and the jug of oil, they were not empty. Now, some of you are like, well, how does that work? You know, because many of you know, if you take a little bit of this and then it's gone. It's kind of like when you're at a Korean barbecue and you put all the meat there and all of a sudden all these other people who are so hungry, they're eating like, I just put down, it's gone now. You know, you're always fighting for that meat. So just, you know what's happening here. You're using some of the flour, you're using some of the oil, and then all of a sudden you're thinking it's gone, but it's still there. It's almost like multiplying. Now, why is this important? Because all that God asks from us is to give what we have. That's what we forget. Oh, I can't give right now because I don't have all that resource. Or I can't do this because, you know, I don't have all. And a lot of times we always think about what we don't have. And this is the reason why some of you have yet to hear and to have testimonies of God working powerfully in your life because you have this scarcity mindset. And I see this all the time in so many of us in our lives. That's why if I were to ask you, do you have any testimonies of God 
performing a miracle, doing great things. You can't even think of anything. What's why? Because we're always holding on to it when God is saying, trust me, release this. Will you trust and have faith that I will provide? So not only were they both fed, but they had food for many days, it says here. And this continual supply of flour and oil and he simply is reminding us once again through the word that when you just give what you have to God, that he is the one who will perform the miracle. Do you remember the five feeding of the 5,000? What did Jesus say to the disciples? You, you feed them. Well, what do you have? Oh, we just have these five loaves and two fish. That's good enough. Bring it here. After giving thanks, he broke it. And it says they picked up 12 basketfuls. It almost seems as if it multiplied. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 in the New Living Translation says this. Read the yellow, highlight it with me. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So once again, it's God who provides. And when you plant it and sow it into people's lives and into things that are eternal and kingdom purposes, what does it say? He will provide and he will increase your resources. To this day, I don't hear those kind of testimonies in our church. When was the last time some of us had these kind of testimonies where we have sowed into something that is the cause of Christ or into people's lives and we have seen an increase and in multiplication of blessings in our lives? Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 through 20. Read the yellow section with me. It says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. It says God will supply. He is the supplier of all of our needs. And I want you to look at that last phrase of verse 19. According to his riches. Like God is eternally rich. He will never run out. That's why many of us, once again, we don't experience this constant pouring into our lives because we're just holding on to stale blessings because we don't want to share. We're, we're not generous. It's all about us. We're building our own kingdom here on this earth. What we forget is that everything that we have, it's not ours. It's God's. And we have to see our lives just as a distribution center. This is something that I've been trying to help people to see uh, more of an allegorical or metaphorical way. Think about this. If our lives are like a distribution center, then God will start depositing all this stuff into our lives. And a distribution center pretty much takes these things and then what? Puts, loads it up into the truck and it goes out. And then the center gets a little bit empty so that you have more room so that more resources and more products can come in. And then you just take it and load it up into the trucks and the trucks go out and then it's, there's more room so more stuff comes in. That's what a distribution center is. But can you imagine if none of the trucks go out? 
There's no room. So there's not going to be any more orders coming in. That's enough. And so that's exactly for many of us. We, our lives are just filled with our own blessings. We just keep everything to ourselves. And that's why we haven't been able to experience some of the multiplication. Some of us haven't experienced just God working miraculously in our lives. What would happen? And this is my challenge to every single one of us. What would happen if we start releasing some of these things in our lives? Please don't misunderstand it. I am not just talking about money. I'm thinking about even time. I'm thinking about sometimes your energy, whatever it may be that God has given to you. And then you are expending it. And you are using it, quote unquote, wasting it on others and to love them, to serve them. I'm wondering if some of you will actually feel a greater sense of renewed energy. I'm wondering if some of you, your time that you study or your time that you are at work, you will do things faster. That it would almost seem like what took maybe one hour to do. And in the past, it might have taken you five hours, but you were able to finish in an hour. In that sense, it's multiplying. Like that's God filling you with his blessings, anointing. So now that as you're doing things, it's by the power of God. That's why Luke chapter 6, verse 38, listen to what it says. It says, give and you will receive. Come on, read this part with me. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make, come on, make room. Come on now. Distribution center one-on-one. That when you give, you will receive and you will make more room for more. Running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give would determine the amount you get back. This is the word of God. Now, what we have to be careful is we're not preaching a prosperity gospel. You do this and automatically this will happen. That's not the case. It's God's prerogative to do what, but one thing that I do know is that when we obey him according to his word, he will fulfill his purposes and plan in us. And I've seen this passage come true and be a reality in my life is that when we're able to give, then we start receiving. As we give, there's more room for God to pour more in. And then as we keep on giving, he pours more in. And after a while, you're like, God, stop all these blessings. Like, give that person a job. You know, God, help that person over there. Come on. Let me close out with this. Some of us are looking at this passage in 1 Kings 17, and we're like, okay, that's a a story in the Old Testament, kind of like Jonah in the fish. And sometimes it seems hard to believe that something like this, a miracle, can happen. But I find it very interesting that Jesus Christ, when he was here on this earth, he actually referenced to this story. And there's a reason why. In Luke chapter 4, verse 24 to 26, in the ESV, listen to what he says. This is Jesus speaking now. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah 
when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Listen to me very carefully. When you look at this passage, what Jesus was trying to say is, here he is preaching the good news and people from his own hometown would not receive it. That's why he says no prophet is honored in his hometown. And then he references the story in 1 Kings chapter 17 and the question is why? Because what Jesus was trying to say was this, that even in a town of Zarephath, where they were worshiping Baal gods, there was this one woman, a widow, who understood what it meant to trust and have faith in this God. Therefore, her life was saved and she received the blessings. The part that really gets me is when Jesus said, do you know how many widows there were in Israel? There were, there were many. But God did not go to them, but to this one woman who was a Gentile woman. What God is looking for are those people who are humble and you realize that they have a need for the Savior. Because in many ways, all the widows of Israel that Elijah did not go to, oftentimes describes us who are churched, who are in the in crowd, and we think we're good. God has done all this for me. But what we forget is possibly that what God wants is to look throughout the earth to find those hearts that are fully committed to Him. And just like this woman who didn't have much, but they humbled themselves. She humbled herself, herself. And then through that, as she obeyed the word of the Lord, she gave with faith that God honored. How about us this morning? Where are you? Are you like this poor widow who didn't have much? That gave because you know that God has been so gracious and generous to you. And by doing that, you experience more room in your life for God to bless you and to work in your life. I'm wondering if you're learning how to give with faith, trusting in God that He will provide, being faithful in what He has called you to do. That's why we must give with faith. So the one thing, once again, is that when we believe that God is the source, we will see God provide the resource. That when we believe that God is the source, we will see God provide the resource. I'm going to challenge us with three things that I think it will help us to take some next steps. First of all is this. Prioritize God's kingdom. Make that one of your, first, your top priorities in life. Some of us, we prioritize my kingdom, your little kingdom. That's why all your decisions, all your giving, whether it's your time, your energy, your resources, it's all on you. 
That's why I always tell people, look at your bank account. Look at where the checks or the money is going to. If it's all about you, then once again, you're not creating room for God to come and give you more. So prioritize God's kingdom. The second thing is this. Pray bigger and bolder prayers. I think for many of us, I don't know how you share this, but I think many of us, we're just afraid to get hurt because we pray these big prayers and nothing happens. Like that should not hinder us. But once again, we need to go back to His Word. What does the Word of God say? And whatever it says that we want to be able to say, God, this is what you said. You got to be true to your Word because you told me that you don't lie. So you pray it. It doesn't mean that it will happen the way you want it, but He will fulfill His Word in ways that you have never imagined before. He will work in that way. And lastly, provide for needs in faith. Provide the needs of others in faith. There are so many different needs around us. And it's not just within our church. There are needs in our community. There are needs just all over the city to be able to be generous and to be able to meet some of those needs. Um, Pastor Bo has shared with all of us, and I want to challenge us once again, is that when we looked at the last time when we went online, the givings dipped tremendously. So now we're further behind. What would happen if every single one of us in our church, that we make more room in our lives as we give to God, because this is the first fruits, this is God's, and then He will pour more blessings into our church. And that's how I, that's the same concept. As we continue to love on people, reach out to them, then other people will go out and reach out to others, and we're just making more room. As you make the time to love people, as you are generous and to give faithfully, your tithes and your offerings to God. And that's when He's going to see your heart, my heart, and we prioritize the things of God, things of His kingdom, and we can move forward. If you remember from the beginning of my sermon, I asked you two questions. And the first question is, has God ever asked you to do something that seemed impossible? The second question is, have you ever asked God to do something that seemed impossible? Because both require faith. I want to close with this video, a story about a baby boy named Gideon who ended up with a brain tumor. And his parents, uh, they lifted up some big and bold prayers. And God answered in a powerful way. I want you to listen to their story of this miracle baby boy. And I'm wondering if these are some of the things, the impossible things that God can do in our lives if we have this faith, knowing that He's the source and then He will provide with the resource. Let's watch this together as we close. Amen. What a powerful testimony. God who is a God of miracles. And what they invested in was their prayers. And I'm just wondering what would happen if we made some of those investments in our lives, in our church. What would happen if we started praying for those who are yet to be part of our community, who are going to be coming hopefully uh, in, in the autumn season with the school. We don't even know if it's going to have school. It might be online. But somehow finding ways to connect them with us. People in your workplace, family members, friends that you have. 
that we make the investment of prayer, our time, our energy, even resources. Many of you know our situation. We are praying and we're asking God to provide resources for us so that we can have a bigger place. Maybe even having longer rental spaces so we can have multiple services or we might have to go to another place. All these things take people resource. They take money resource and people who find out their gifts and start serving. Like this is the kind of investment we need to make because we believe that God is calling us to do something great. I want to challenge us as we think about our own lives. Think about what God has invested in us. He has given us his one and only son so we can experience life. And the natural response now is to say, God, here I am. Send me. You are the sender. You are the supplier. Everything that I need as I give with a generous heart, as I step out in faith, you're going to do some great things. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.